This is Coach Chris Holtman. You're listening to Drive the Lane Podcast. Hey. Welcome back to Drive the Lane. Fresh off of the national championship, we got a big time episode. We're going to talk briefly, but then we have a fantastic interview with Jeff Bowles, who is the current head coach of the Ohio University Bobcats, former Ohio State assistant. Talk a little bit of a uh, talk a little bit of everything with him. You know, we talk Buckeyes, we talk his best player Jason Preston, we talk the upset over Virginia, we talk about LeBron, we talk about Akron. If you like Ohio, you're gonna like this episode. We might have to change it to drive through Ohio instead of drive the lane. But before we get to all that, Two teams played in the national championship. Joey, can you tell which one of them most likely had brain fuel and which one didn't? Yeah, it's funny because Bulls even mentioned it. Clearly, Gonzaga woke up and had like a five-hour energy when Baylor woke up and had a brain fuel. They had – they it was, without a doubt had some brain fuel. They probably bathed in it the night before like I always talk about doing. And it wasn't an accident that they performed the way they performed. So shout out Brain Fuel. You basically won the national championship. Yeah, I mean, Brain Fuel is a revolutionizing energy experience that clearly Baylor had and Gonzaga didn't. You know, they got a bunch of flavors, Thrive Ice, Victory Bliss, Limitless Berry, Alpha Punch. If you'd like to try it yourself, head on over to BrainFuel.com. That's B-R-E-I-N-F-U-E-L.com and use promo code DTL15. For a big time discount, Brain Fuel is the presenting sponsor of Drive the Lane. Bowles made a great point, and I want to start off our quick little convo with this, Joey. Go ahead, Joseph. You got you got your hand. Yeah, up. yeah. Um, actually, I'll maybe I'll say this at the end as we're going into the Bulls interview because it's a funny Bulls story that I didn't get to tell on the during the interview. Sorry. Well, I was sorry. Just, he he pointed out that you know you uh, Gonzaga had the late game, probably didn't go to bed till really late. I'd love to look at the last few Final Fours and championships and see if there's a correlation with the winner being the early game in the uh, Saturdays because I need to factor that in when I gamble next year. Hopefully I'll have some more money in my account to be able to do that. Yeah. um, In terms of Final Four and championship game, I can't remember – underwhelming maybe isn't the right word, but it felt underwhelming. Baylor murdered Houston and then murdered Gonzaga. Gonzaga, there's one of the best final four games and finishes ever. But then the championship game was nothing special. I don't know, man. That's just because Baylor was just tremendous down the stretch. I mean, at the end of the day, I want to be thankful for just having the tournament and having basketball back. Like that's a win in itself makes this one of the best tournaments ever in a, in a way. But I don't know. Uh, it's it, it was kind of a bummer of an ending, uh, just because it just wasn't super competitive. But not necessarily a bummer of a game, I guess, because Baylor was spectacular, like spectacular. And I saw some funny tweets about the game, and, and I'm sure you saw them too. <laughs> the two funniest to me were Baylor looks like Baylor looks like a suburban team playing inner city kids for the first time, or Gonzaga looks like a suburban team playing inner city kids for the first time. And I resonated with that being a suburban kid, um, which I thought was funny, but that was an easy one. That's a softball. Like everybody thought that the best one I saw though, was from Abel Porter. Shout out, shout out to my boy, Abel. 
who said Baylor plays defense like they're trying to get out of the shell drill for the rest of practice. You know, when, when coach goes, all right, if we do this rep really, really well, you guys are done. They were trying to do that the whole game, and they made Gonzaga look like a fool because of it. So that's my major takeaway. I, I'm with you. Those were some good, some good tweets. Um, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of exhausted, man. We talked about every basketball topic there is with Coach Bolts. Yeah, I, the last thing that I want to, say, and and obviously, like, you know, we're not going anywhere now that the college basketball season's over. Like, we're not going anywhere. Um, but uh, then that's that's irrelevant to what I'm about to say. The funniest Bulls story before we get into Bulls, and this will prime you into the type of guy that he is. Freshman year, that was the only year that Bulls was on staff. And the freshman year, we're playing at Northwestern. Obviously, I grew up 15 minutes from Northwestern's campus. We're up nine with 27 seconds left. Coach Mata throws me in the game. The game's in hand. It's over. I'm just dribbling out the ball. And – uh the funniest thing about that is Coach Mata telling me, don't fuck this up when I go in, which was hilarious. And we've talked about that with Coach on an older episode. But after the game, I'm walking over, and I'm all excited. That's like the third game I've ever played at Ohio State. You know, like I'm, my family and friends are all there to see it. It's so cool, right? I grew up going to Northwestern games. So cool. Then I'm walking over to the sideline, and Bowles grabs me and goes, why didn't you shoot it? <laughs> As I'm dribbling up the clock at a half court, up nine, he goes, why didn't you shoot it? I was like, shoot it? And then, funny enough, we get into an interview. He's asking me my feelings and the dynamics at the end of the game with walk-on should shoot or not, so stay tuned for that. But it's just an all-time interview. I really, truly, and I said this at the end, one of my favorites. It really was. It was so fun. And without further ado, Coach Bowles. All right, join us now on Drive the Lane, the head coach of the Ohio Bobcats. Long-awaited interview with Jeff Bowles. Coach, welcome to the show. Such an honor. Very privileged. Humbled to be here. And a big fan. I got to say, when I, you know, send texts out, feeler texts out to see if guys are interested, if they have time, if they want to come on the show, usually I'll get a, yeah, like we can make it happen. But Bulls, the best text I've ever gotten in response to, to asking to come on said, and I quote, I've been waiting for this moment. Absolutely. So I, I, I think you've run out enough people you knew, and you'd have to get to me at some point. And <laughs> thank, thankfully that time's here. Well, we were waiting for exactly. You know, we were waiting for you and your team to do something noteworthy, and of course, you go ahead and you do that. So we had to capitalize on it and admit that we've always been an Ohio podcast, not an Ohio State podcast. We were just waiting for the right opportunity, which brings us to our first question. You know, you didn't you didn't get in that large bid. That's not how it works. All right. You had to earn it. You had to win your conference tournament. Walk us through your conference tournament run. Yeah, you know, it's funny you said, Andrew, because somebody was asking me about being in the NCAA tournament as a head coach. And, you know, at Ohio State, you – the tournament meant nothing. The Big Ten tournament, right? You know, it was kind of for bragging rights. Maybe seeding, but most likely not. 
So you knew you were going to be in the NCAA tournament. You just, you know, what seed were you going to be? You know, in our league, it's like those three days are the most important three days of the whole season. And you want to be playing your best basketball at that time. And, you know, leading into the tournament, we had played three games in, I think, 35 or 36 days. And three, three of those games were in five days, a period, after a 21-day pause. So I didn't really know what to expect, to be honest with you. Our, our starting two guard got out of a 10-day contact trace quarantine on Wednesday, literally came right to the gym, shot for about 15 minutes, got on the bus, rolled up to Cleveland, and scored 18 points the next day. So I don't know if it was coaching, 10 days off, you know, I don't know. But, you know, the, 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 the first game, you know, we ran into Kent State, and, you know, they had an altercation the week before, and one of their kids got suspended for the game. And uh, we pretty much dominated them. And that kind of set the tone for the whole tournament. And I think we led for like 117 to 120 minutes we played. And we, we played our best basketball. And, you know, to experience that as a head coach was surreal. You know, being at my alma mater, you know, it's what I dreamed when I took the job. And to have our players experience what I was able to experience as a player, you know, there's, there's nothing like it. And, you know, to see them running on the court and celebrating, you know, just an awesome feeling. My question for you, you know, first question, and you alluded to it, it's a different kind of mindset for a tournament, whether it's the NCAA tournament, the conference tournament, you know, the major conference tournaments, it's an even different mindset than from, uh, you know, a mid-major tournament where it's your life depends on winning. What's the message going into whether it was the beginning of the tournament or the championship game? What's the message to your guys? Yeah, so – you know, I told them to play with uber, ultra, superior confidence, have fun, play hard, and, and see what happens. And, you know, we kind of used, uh, you know, the underdog mentality. We were a five seed, even though it was kind of a, you know, a, a different five seed because Toledo won it. They were 14-4. and four. I think um, Akron and Kent were 2-3, and they were like 12 and – you know, five, and then Buffalo was like 11-6 or something. And then we were nine and five, so we didn't have enough games. And you know, we missed a lot of games because of the COVID pause. So we were a five seed, and our, our draw ended up being really good. And, um, you know, we got the four seed and played Kent State, and, and then uh, the second game we played Toledo. But the biggest thing was play with confidence. And our guys were excited to play. And at the start of the year, we started out – we talked about a little bit earlier – uh, we started the season in the MTAE at Illinois. And, you know, it was three games in three days. And it's, it's tough to play three games in three days, you know, in, in, you know, with depth or whatever it may be, especially after coming off a long pause. So we kind of use that as like, hey, look, we've done this before, right? That third game in three days is going to be heart, grit, determination. And, uh, you know, when we got there, our guys were loose, man. They were in the locker room talking, playing music, having fun. And, and I felt pretty good once I heard that, you know, the locker room. It gets a little easier to play a lot of games in a lot of days. You got a kid like Jason Preston on your team. You know, you've coached, you know, the D'Angelo Russells, the Sullingers, all those kind of guys. What's it like having a guy like Preston? It's a little under the radar. He's your own guy, but he makes just as big of an impact, if not bigger, than, you know, those top recruited guys. 
Yeah, I think, you know, anybody listening to this, if they don't know Jason Preston's story, like they need to Google it because his story is a movie. And it's unbelievable five years ago where he was to, to where he is today. And I've always said this, man, the better players you have, the better coach you are. And he makes me a better coach. And, and by, by what he does on the court, he makes everybody better. And I think, you know, he, he was – he played two games in 36 days, you know, because he missed our first game that we played against uh, Akron. And then he played against Eastern Michigan and Buffalo. And then our last two regular season games got canceled. And, um, you know, he, I think he played maybe 20 games the whole year. He was injured uh, end of December, early January. Missed three weeks, four games there. And, you know, he started out the year like gangbusters. You know, I mean, he, he dominated Illinois, 31 points, eight assists, no turnovers. And then he dominated the MAC tournament, you know, 22 and a half points, five assists, five rebounds. And, you know, he was playing with a great swagger, great confidence. You know, when your best player is doing that, you know, it bleeds on to everyone else. And, you know, you mentioned those guys from Ohio State. The one thing Jason Preston has that, like, D'Angelo and Evan Turner had, like, he's got elite vision. Uh, his passing skill, he sees things happening before it even happens. And, you know, some of his turnovers are a result. Like, guys might not roll or pop or, you know, they're open, but they don't know they're open, and he does, and he'll throw them the ball, and it'll be a turnover. But he's got, he's got that elite skill. I, I think – you're spot on in the comparison, obviously, between like him and E.T. and D'Angelo in the sense that the game looks so slow when he's playing. You know, like he's not going to out-tough you. He's not the quickest guy in the world, but like he gets to his spots and he gets guys open. And that's what those two guys' games were just like. Um, I remember talking about this before. We were at an Ohio State practice together two years ago the season after I graduate, um, you know, and we're catching up obviously. And I asked you how your team was looking and, and I won't directly quote you, but you said, you know, we're gonna be fine, but we have this unbelievable point guard. That's going to take us a long way. Like this dude is the real deal. And I remember you said that and I held on to it because then when Illinois is playing Ohio, you know, little old OU who, when I'm in Chicago, people think it's a, walking 30 piece but I'm like don't count out the fighting Jeff Bowles is you know and I'm watching with my dad and I was like dad, that's the point guard that Bowles told me is a stud here he is two years later he's a stud so my question to you is do you remember that <laughs> I, I do remember it and I think you know going going into my first year uh, we had a lot of new guys and a couple of returners we got rid of some people some people transferred and I knew that he was going to be pretty good. I didn't know how good. And it's almost like when, you know, you have Deans or Russell or Evan Turner, when you have the best player on the floor, it doesn't matter who you're playing, you always have a chance to win. And I remember our first game, we had eight scholarship players. We played that same Bonaventure. We ended up winning that game. We played a Division two school, won that game. And then we went to Iona. And Iona played us exactly like Illinois played us. They locked onto our shooters and let him play a two-man game, pick and roll. Well, the first four minutes, you know, Jason's coming off. He was a pass, first, second, third type of point guard. He was coming off trying to make passes and turn the ball over. And after the first media timeout, I pulled him aside and I said, hey, JP, you have to score the ball. Like, you're getting in the paint every time you want. You have to score for us to win. So – after that, man, he had like 
27 points, 14 rebounds, and eight assists, and we won the game. And I think Illinois did the same thing to us. And we, we, we ran some plays and, you know, did some things to take advantage of what they're, how they're guarding us. But he made some phenomenal, unbelievable plays. I'm not trying to uh, – go ahead, Joey. Sorry, I, got, I, got, I have to. How come you never told me, hey, Joey, we need you to score the ball? Well, you know, you were kind of the X factor. You know, we wanted you to be a secret weapon. And, you know, you're like the human cigar, right? When Joey comes in yeah, the game. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you, they, like, you know, you're just saving me for the right moment. I, I yeah, think – undefeated. Exactly. You'll be in like the stat sheet, like the, the game notes where it says like, you know, when you out-rebound opponents, they're 10 and 4. When Joey Lane plays, man, they're undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, well, it's funny you mentioned the rebounding stat because every after every single win, you would come in and, and you'd be like, 32 to 28, we out-rebounded them after we're like all getting changed. So, yeah. But, yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate you recognizing that, yes, I – the best statistic is get Joey Land on the court because that means you won. Automatic win. Okay. So I'm glad. We hey, speaking of which, there. like <laughs> the bail, the Baylor kid at the end of the game, right? We yeah. We call them the bench bruisers. Like when I played. Yeah. So well, my first couple of years, I didn't play at all at Ohio, Ohio. We called ourselves the DNP crew, right? Did not play, and it was me yeah, and yeah. These two other guards. So what we did is. In warm-ups, we would tally the points, you know, that you scored in warm-ups. And those guys had an advantage because they were shooting threes, and I, you know, I wasn't shooting threes. So whoever scored the most points got to sit closest to the head coach. Then the next guy was in the middle. <laughs> and then the guy who scored the least amount of points had to sit by the team doctor. Well, I sat by the team doctor pretty much, you know, every game. <laughs> and we would be on the end of the bench, you know, and if it was a blowout either way, we'd start like – guessing like okay who's going in first okay i think chad's going in minute 17 mark he's gonna be in <laughs> you know, so, so we, we would start doing that and uh so we yeah we were the dnp crew um you know during during that run when i was a you know redshirt freshman year some good times i love that dmp crew i'm gonna steal that oh so my point so baylor right baylor subs their bench boozers yeah. in the last, whatever, 50-some seconds. And that dude's got a yeah. breakaway layup in the championship game. And Scott Drew's yelling like, whoa, whoa. Kid's a senior, right? And probably never going to play again. National championship game, had an opportunity to go in for a layup, and he pulled the brakes, man. You would have scored it's, that. I mean, tell you what, there's a couple, there's a couple things that, that, I, that I see from that situation. Number one is – He's just so well coached that that the guys at the end of the bench are so well coached. They got the the internal clock in their head. They know, hey, like respect, sportsmanship. That's what comes first. And then the other thing is, I always thought like, like how could I would have so much adrenaline like there? There's no way I hear you know Coach Mata or Coach Holman on the sideline right there unless I'm right next to him like that guy was, or else I'm going in and I'm probably going to try and dunk it. National like, championship game, man. Senior year, you get a chance to get in the scorebook. You're taking that shot. Uh, he scored. He scored. Uh, he scored in the final four, though. I know. I know. So, I don't. You know me. I'm shooting it. <laughs> I'm probably shooting a three, not two, not a layup. <laughs> Which is like a layup. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. Ask your question, Andrew. <laughs> it's not even a question. Now it's stupid that it took this long. But Joey, I want to know if you'll agree with me. So so far this whole interview, I'm like, God, who 
does he sound like? Sounds just like someone we've interviewed before. You know, we've interviewed a lot of people. Maybe it's a sign of what's to come with your coaching career, but you sound exactly like Urban Meyer. Exactly the same. If I'm closing my eyes and I'm hearing Coach Meyer answer these questions, it's the same, like cadence, speed, everything. Maybe it's a sign of what's to come, but just wanted to point that out. See, I told you it was silly. Tell you what, I'm feeling national championship after that comment, man. That's that's humbling. Well, we asked Coach Meyer. We yeah, said, that's just a. It's also a humble brag. It's a, it's a humble brag on our part, saying, "Yeah, we've had Urban on the show too." Yeah, just, throw know. a dart. I'm getting man. Uh, you guys ran out of guests, and I'm I, I'm. I don't care. I don't care if you had no more guests. I'm just. I'm happy. I'm on here. Well, you're a little more honest. We asked him, "Do you yeah, think you'll ever coach again?" And he said, "I'm. I'm done coaching." So you, you're, you're giving us more honest answers. He thought you meant college. He did. He, 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 he did literally stare us in the eye and say, guys, I'm done. <laughs> and then he's, then he's, co- he's coaching like three weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> so, Coach, when you, when you think back to your time at Ohio State, you know, someone walks up to you and says, oh, oh my God, you're doing such a great job with Ohio, upset over Virginia, amazing. But someone says, what? comes to your mind when you think of Ohio State, the one memory that you're at like a event and you're telling people your go-to Ohio State story? Yeah, I mean, probably the most memorable was uh, Boston Garden. You know, when we you know, were in the Elite Eight, we beat Syracuse to go to the Final Four. And, you know, when, when you're a young coach and you go to all these Final Fours, you know, you, you go to the open practices, right? You watch the games either on TV or you have a ticket in the 500 level to, to watch them. And, you know, it's always like, man, one day, I'd love to be on that floor coaching and, you know, having people watch you in the open practice. And, you know, just that, that memory, I'll never, ever forget it. You know, just going to the Final Four and, and uh, that whole experience, you know, it was, it was awesome. And, and we're going to talk about some, maybe some of our stories that we shared together towards the end. Um, but it, it would be a shame if we didn't at least – Talk about the Virginia upset. Um, what was – it was a popular upset pick. Virginia coming off some COVID issues. Obviously, you guys got the best player on the floor like we already talked about. Are you still sitting there as a coach trying to tell your team, like, hey, like, we're the underdog, like, we got to prove something? Or is it more of like a, we're better, let's prove it? Yeah, so I, I told the media, like, I was the wrong coach to talk to about the COVID pause because, you know, we were on a 21-day pause and, and came out and we played Akron. We practiced one time, and I didn't have my point guard or my center. Jason Preston or Dwight Wilson didn't play, and we won the game. I said, so you're talking to the wrong coach. Like, if you if I'm going to overlook them doing their seven-day pause. And theirs was different. They had one guy, um, a bench player, that was positive and they contact traced, but their contact trace, they could still go to the gym an hour a day and work out. So all the kids that got contact trace were out, you know, they were conditioning, they were shooting, you know, probably going over whatever. And, and so our guys, I said, Hey, look, we've been through it. We know they're going to come out ready to play. And the biggest thing in coaching, right. is confidence and belief. Like you want to instill confidence and belief and our guys were confident. You know, they believed they could win the game. Uh, we prepared to win the game. Um, you know, we expected to win the game. And, we, you know, we came out and played well. And I'll, I'll be honest, like, 
winning the game. It was a later game, and we played down in Bloomington. So we had an hour and 15-minute you know, bus ride home. And as you guys well know, it's a winner's world. And you just upset the defending national champs, you know, in Assembly Hall. And now it's like text messages, this and that. And I think I got 750 text messages. And, you know, you, you're on that high – and you get back to the hotel 11, well, then you have your late meal. And those guys aren't, you know, probably didn't go to bed as much as you tell them, like, hey, we got to get a rest. We got to go to bed. We got to get sleep. We got a game in, you know, less than 48 hours. And to me, that's what Gonzaga looked like happened. Right? They had this euphoric win. It's a late game. They probably didn't get back to the hotel till midnight. You know, those guys probably stayed up 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. And they just looked you know, step slow to start. I mean, Baylor came and just punched them in the mouth. But, you know, beating Virginia, you know, I, there was a point in the first half, I'm not going to lie. I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm in Assembly Hall coaching in the NCAA tournament and Tony Bennett's on the other end. And it was just a surreal feeling. And, you know, we won the game and, and, and Tony Bennett was who you'd think Tony Bennett was. Very gracious, uh, very, you know, complimentary of our guys and our win. And, uh, you know, it's just an awesome feeling. What would past Jeff Bowles have said before the conference tournament if future Jeff Bowles showed up and said, hey, you guys are about to win a bunch of games, win the tournament, and then you're going to be playing in Assembly Hall and beat Virginia with Tony Bennett. What would you have said if someone told you that that was the exact path that you were about to go on? Ooh. I would have signed up for it right there. Um, you know, <laughs> you guys know, man, winning's hard. and It's hard to win. And, you know, you take this whole year, I don't care what level, female, male, like what these young people did on a daily basis, right, to get to where anyone got. You know, there's a lot of luck involved. Um, you know, it's the character of your team that you have in the program, the culture that you have. We, we went seven months without an incident. And I'm thinking, like, this is crazy. Like, how, how do we get seven months? And then we played at Central Michigan on February 2nd. And one of my players had talked to a kid he grew up with after the game. We fly back, get on our bus from the airport, go back to campus Wednesday night. You know, my two kids studied together. Thursday, we had a call that their kid tested positive. Thursday, my kid tests positive. Now you contact Trace back, you know, boom. And it was like a wave. You know, there were multiple positive tests over a week time frame. And I'm thinking, like, we went seven months, and now in a week we have, like, these multiple positive tests. And, you know, I don't know if either one of you have quarantined, but, you know, I was in a hotel room away from my family, and I would, I was contact trace. I was, I, I wasn't positive, so I would go pick up food. But I was like stir crazy. And you know, we got guys in the dorm that can't leave the dorm. You know that you're in the dorm room. You don't have, you can't. You know, we gave them a basketball, bands, and foam roller. But ten days, man, that's a long time. And you know, I give our guys a lot of credit for, you know, staying positive, fighting through adversity, and uh, you know, we're just grateful to be there. No pun intended on that. Clearly, and positive, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty positive guy. And um, you know, ten years ago, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been like this. But Coach Mata, you know, taught me a ton, and it was like a master's coaching class being with him for seven years, and his positivity 
I mean, there, there'd be days in practice, Andrew, as assistant, you know, he'd be like, hey, we start off slow and, you know, you guys really picked it up as one of our better practices. I'd be thinking like, we sucked. Like, we were awful. But it's like mentally, right, you portray this positivity and the guys are like, oh, yeah, man, we played pretty good towards the end. You know, and, and just that slight little thing and the positive, uh, uh, the power of positive thinking, the brain's a powerful, you know, organ. And, you know, that, that I took, that's one thing I took from Coach Mata, man, that just positivity. Stay positive and test negative. Yeah, John Rost, uh, Rostin, he took that quote from me, man. I was tweeting yeah, that out, like, yeah, I was tweeting that out in like October or something. September. I, I, I think he's like, I think he's stolen a couple of picks, if we're being honest, if we're just going to throw it out there. I feel like there's no way he could have thought of all of them. I guarantee he already said he walks around with a notebook so that if it comes to him, he just writes it down. Yeah. And I know what, when it comes to him, it's because someone told it to him and he steals it. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah, I steal plays. I mean, we all do it. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's it's the sincerest form of flattering is copying. So, um, all right. Well, obviously it's been a really weird year, unique year. I have a couple of questions on the state of college basketball for you because if, if anything, you're an honest guy who's going to shoot us straight. Um, what are your thoughts on the transfer portal? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's fair for the kid to be able to leave. I think there's only four sports that make you sit out of your residency, um, like volleyball, football, men's and women's basketball, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, it's – the way the COVID year went and the way the transfer portal is going, you know, these 21 and 22 high school classes are really going to get overlooked. You know, no one's really seen the 22 class, the rising seniors. And, you know, we might be able to go out in July. We don't know yet. But it's like if you're at a high major, you know, why would you recruit a high school kid? So let's go back a little bit further. You have the G League elite, you know, four or five kids that leave high school to go G League. You're going to have the overtime elite, right? They're taking the top 24 kids or, you know, whatever. You know, so now all those kids aren't being recruited. Now in two or three years when the collective bargaining agreement changes and these kids can leave high school to go to NBA. So those top tier kids who can make an impact right away aren't going to college. So now, you know, where, where do the high majors look? Are you going to recruit a – top 30, 40 kid who, you know, is going to take a year or two to develop? Or are you going to go to a mid-major program or a low-major program and recruit their best player who's been in college for two, three years, been in the weight room, been battle-tested? And, you know, it's it's going to be a trickle-down effect. And what happens when a coach, you know, takes a, jo- a new job? Does he take the whole starting five with him? You know, I mean, it's just it's, – it's an interesting dynamic. And I'll go back to, you know, when I played, I played 39 minutes my whole redshirt freshman year, right? And I'm like, nowadays, if you play 39 minutes the whole year, you're leaving, right? I'm I'm going somewhere to play. Back then, you bought your time, you worked harder. You know, that was just kind of what you did. And if it's to me, it starts in high school, starts in AAU. You look at all these kids now, leave their high schools, go to prep schools. You know, AAU teams, they just bounce around. And, you know, it's like the first sign of adversity, leave. 
So it's an interesting dynamic. It's going to change the the whole spectrum of Division One athletics. Do you think it could, you know, trickle down the other way to where, you know, uh, the 55th best guy in the country commits to a top, top, top of the line school, doesn't really contribute right away, and then a smaller school, you know, your Ohio's and smaller schools are the ones that end up snagging from the transfer portal, and then it's their job to develop those guys that have some of the, you know, intangibles and skills. So the reverse end, instead of they develop it, you know, your school, and then you lose them to a big school, you capitalize by these guys who aren't necessarily ready doing what you're saying, only playing, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game. And then they're like, actually, I would rather go to, you know, a different school and play every single minute. Yeah, definitely. There's going to be a trickle down. And even high school kids, like, you know, these high majors and, you know, they're going to be taking transfer kids that they're not taking those high school kids. So you might be able to get a high school kid that's pretty good that you shouldn't get normally on paper. And, I mean, there's Division three kids right now that didn't even play this year that are in the portal and being recruited at a pretty high level because they, their percentages, they can make shots. Um, Division two kids, all Americans. Like, those kids are leaving. So, it's affecting everybody. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's crazy because I I remember – I think I'm a little bit unique because my whole feeling was I desperately wanted to go play somewhere. Like, I really, I really, really did. I, I got so much better. I got so much stronger. Got so much confidence while I was at Ohio State. But, like – I had the same sort of mindset that you had in the sense that, like, if I'm going to start something, I'm going to finish it. And I don't want to leave Ohio State because, like, I feel like I'm quitting in a sense, right? And and I think that it's – obviously, it's unique for a walk-on, right? Not a lot of walk-ons are, are transferring. But even I, I think that moving forward, schools might want to take a chance on a guy coming from – a great program, a great culture who contributes in practice, and especially if he has the coach's blessing over some of these high school kids. So I just think it's it's the trickle-down effect is spot on. It's just you're going to see whether you call it poaching, whether – I mean, it's just coaches are going to change jobs and take half the guys. Like you said, I, I think it's just going to turn into the wild, wild west for a little bit, and it's just – I don't know what – I don't know – if it's going to make it more exciting for fans, if it's going to make it harder for coaches, I don't know what's going to happen. It's just it's wild. Well, you know, it's it's going to be the most important recruits you have are the guys on your campus, right? So how much do you go out in July recruiting? Or do you stay with your team and spend time and develop them and, and get to know them better? Um, and it's going to be year to year. Right, you're not going to start recruiting juniors, sophomores, freshmen. You know, maybe the elite ones will, but you got to wear year to year. Your 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 roster's going to. You know, the average right now of Division One teams, there's three kids per team average leaving. So every year you could have one scholarship in the fall. You're going to have three or four. You know, come the springtime. So yeah, it's going to be a year to year deal. Recruiting your own players. That's insane, but it's true. You got to get them to stay. It's that's that's wild. That's wild. I didn't. That's not even something that even crossed my mind. But um, yeah, so college basketball will be weird. But let's get into the fun stuff and let's talk about some some unique questions. What's going to make this podcast way more fun than the average 
interview that you have. My first question for you is, why didn't you try and steal me from Ohio State when you went to Stony Brook? Just out of respect for Coach Mata. You know, I knew you were an integral <laughs> piece uh, of the uh, you know program, and you know I didn't want to take anybody you know and, and put him in a bad situation. Even though it could have made me feel really good if you were like, "Hey, Joe, like I'm not going to recruit you, but I would." There was no cut. I didn't get any of that. That's that's okay. Just, I mean, selfishly, it would have been nice. You know, you always have regrets in life, and 2020 <laughs> hindsight's the clearest. And and now you mention that it's a big regret. So my apologies. Okay. I, I forgive you. I forgive you. Follow up question to that: I was making some noise at uh, Missouri in the rec leagues. <laughs> With all the crazy stuff going on in college basketball, why didn't you send a scout to my rec league games? You know, Joey probably should have mentioned something to you that he knew a guy in Missouri. You know what's funny, you know what's funny is uh, I had our assistant coaches go to the uh, rec center at Stony Brook and, and watch to see if there's anybody could help us. You know, there's 30,000 students on campus. I'm like, we, we got to find somebody because, you know, we were down a couple scholarships and uh, – you know, you know, Eddie Days, right? Eddie, Eddie Days, like, you know, has his team, the club team. And I think the one kid was a walk-on this year, wasn't he? From his club Yeah, exactly. Team. That's what I was going to say. That's how they got him. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's like guys like that are invaluable. Like, a lot of, a lot of programs have scout teams where, where they keep – you know, I think Michigan State keeps like 18 guys or something like that. Michigan and, and they got five guys who are, are scout team guys and you know I used to run our defense at Ohio State those guys were invaluable I had, I had the managers uh, those guys played pickup all day every day and I tried to play with them a couple times and couldn't walk but um, you know those guys were invaluable uh, yeah let's let's get into some Ohio State stories uh, Coach Bowles was an unbelievable pickup player because he was playing against Coach Dickerson, for anyone listening that rem- remembers the old staff. Uh, Coach D and Coach Bowles had some had some battles where it was managers trying not to piss them off while playing. It was very fun to watch. Honestly, more fun than watching our team play, if we're being honest, um, especially the year after you left. Um, my question to you, is do you have any unique stories with me involved that Andrew would like to hear, but also the listeners at home? I mean, I, I remember when you first came to campus and like Joey was like Mr. Buckeye, like Ohio State through and through. And, you know, the, the way he got there was unique. Like he, his whole story of how he came to Ohio State was like unbelievable. And it happened with this this kid, Chris Sparts, who was working our camps. And, you know, Chris had the slick back hair and the button, like, buttoned up to here. Zolan knows him. Zolan knows him. Big okay. so, so, you know, I don't know. I don't even know how, how he got a job. He, he, like, talked himself into a job and created some role. And next thing you know, his first recruit – is Joey Lane, and and uh, and did, was it the same high school or did he work you out? I forget the. So, so I went to the team camp with my high school team, and we just beat up on everybody we played. Yeah, I remember. I remember and watching you play. We were, we were we were we were a good high school team in Illinois, but not like unbelievable. Like we won a couple games in the playoffs, 
Um, and we were playing against some, I mean, the, I don't know if they were the best Ohio had to offer, probably not. Right. But we're playing against, you know, Toledo, St. John, we're playing against Khalil Iverson. We're playing against guys that you guys were recruiting. And so I remember definitely coach Dickerson watching us play once GP was at a few of our games and then sports watched a bunch, especially on the second day. And afterwards, you know, he knew he was from Illinois. Our high schools were 45 minutes apart. So same area, but not, not like same conference or anything. Right. But he, he was talking to our head coach. Our head coach pulls me over and Sparts gave me the whole Sparts very positive talk of, hey, like, love your game. Obviously, we can't offer you a scholarship, but I, Christopher Sparks, want to help you find the right fit for you um, in college. Joey. That was like the fucking coolest thing that's ever happened. Let me tell you something. You can play here. You're good enough (laughs) to play here. Um. But what's funny is there was no talk about walking on until like my high school season started. And I told him like, hey, like, by the way, like I'm playing. I'm really good. (laughs) Like I'm really good high school player. You had some options, right? You had some options to go like small college and or or come come to Ohio State and, and walk on. Ohio was like the far-fetched dream of, okay, like, this is my dream school. If I could play hoops here, like, guys, I grew up idolizing Aaron Kraft, John Diebler, Jared Selinger. Like, if I could play at that school, like, first of all, my mom would die a happy woman, which is good enough for me. But then also, like, that's my dream. That's the only way I would, in theory, give up my college career because I wanted to go somewhere and play. Like, that's all I cared about. All in high school, I'm going – all over the country to these camps for division three coaches to watch me play. People thought I was insane. I was like, no, I just want to play hoops in college. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh yeah, never mind. I'm not going to Denison. I'm going to Ohio state. And then everyone's like, what the fuck did that happen? Yeah, and, 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 and I mean, you got better, you, you worked at it and, and um, it, you know, it's like sometimes you throw a walk on in there and you're like, that's the walk on. And you know, some you got better, and you couldn't tell, and and you know, you didn't disrupt, and you know, that's that's what you want. You want guys to come in, work hard, because sometimes in that situation, you know, especially at high state, you have fans, right? They just want to be involved and be in the locker room, get the gear, like you know, all that stuff's cool. But you were competing, and you know, great teammate. Um, speaking of pickup games, the the we play, I played three on three one time. It was me, Coach Dickerson, and Coach Gent. We played David Lighty. Um, John Diebler and Dallas Lauderdale, 3v3, and they got heated. And we, we almost beat them. <laughs> and it was like oh, it was man. like intense. I mean, any competitive anything with CJ in it, I mean, it's just – it's over. Yeah, that, it was, I got, once we stop recording, I'll tell you about the funniest Chris Jen story, Kyle Davis story. I don't know if you've heard it or not, but it's, it's the funniest story. It, basically, long story short, is Chris Jen did not play pickup for the entire year because of Kyle Davis, but un, unreal story. But I appreciate you you tell, telling the world that I did get better and I was a good player and I was there, you know, for the right reasons, even though it did seem like I was a fan at times. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, I remember coming in and Lorbach telling me, like, hey, just so you know, like, like GP especially and Diebler, Jake Diebler especially, did not like walk-ons. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like – I don't know what I can do about it. I mean, I have good intentions. I just got to yeah. prove it. And then the next year, same thing. Like, Chris Gent, like, I know you know, he just hates walk-ons. And so 
I want him over because, and this was incredibly, I, I can't believe this in hindsight, but every guy had an individual workout except for me during the, during, for, in the off season. So I would come in when I knew guys had workouts and I would work out myself and just like watch the workouts and do whatever on the side, which That's is hilarious yeah. and like something out of a movie. But like, um, I remember Chris Gent was like, hey, Joey, just so you know, like when I saw you in the gym the first day when you didn't have a workout, I was like, all right, you mean business. And I appreciate that. And I was like, all right, I'm doing something right here. It's good. No doubt. No doubt. Sounds like you were a uh, great player to coach. So, Coach Bowles, where does Joey rank on your all-time favorite player list? <laughs> I had a, I I was there for a year. I was a shell of Joey Lane. You don't have to. Where does that. he rank? Where does he rank? Yeah, I would I would say probably top five of the walk-ons. I think we had four I'll walk-ons, maybe. <laughs> no, he he was fun. Like like my, my first experience with a walk on was Mark Titus, you know. And Titus was like, you know, you could tell Titus stories for days. I mean, you know, the the best one was he went to little uh, little five hundred in Indy one time, <laughs> and he came back late, you know, <laughs> from whatever he was doing. And when, when you came back late, you either had to ride the stationary bike with, with a seat for a hundred miles or without a seat for 50 miles. And he said 50 miles without a seat. And this is after we just did a 20 minute, like Steve Nash individual workout, which is like an absolute ass kicker. And like, I think he laid on the floor for like an hour after that, he couldn't move. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, I was a walk-on. You know, I walked on for two years and earned a scholarship at OU. And, you know, you don't feel appreciated a lot of times. You know, you, you're, it's a thankless deal. And you, you be in practice some days kicking somebody's ass. And, you know, like, I'm going to play. It don't matter. And it don't matter. And I had times when my assistant coach would be like, hey, be ready to play. Be ready to play. And I'd be like, all right, here we go. BMP. <laughs> And you get your hopes up so many times, but you know it takes a special person and it's a special fraternity. Uh, you do it for the love of the game. Um, you, you're you a great teammate. You make lifelong friends. You open up network avenues, and and you know that's what Joey's done. And and uh, you know it's it's a it's a special fraternity. Not that this is anywhere near the same realm as what you guys are talking about, but. <laughs> I had a time when I was a sophomore high school basketball player. I hurt my knee, and I was, like, rehabbing the knee for, like, a week. And I was all good 100%, and the coach came up to me. Joey, it was actually before we played you guys. And the coach goes, Zolden, how's the knee? You ready to go? I'm like, yeah, I'm back. I'm ready to go. He's like, all right, we're going to need you tonight. Zero minutes, zero seconds. Had a pregame convo with the coach telling me to be ready to go, just like you're saying. So that's my peak of uh, walk-on comparisons. So I, um, the, 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 the ever tell a story, uh, I think they're playing Georgetown, the Final Four. He said he walks in the bathroom before the game, and Titus is over at the other stall. And Titus looks at him and says, Coach, I got 5,000 to use tonight, and I can't take them home with me. I'll be ready. He's like, what are you talking about? Um, I, I would li- I'd be lying if I didn't say I said that one time. I used it yeah. one time. I told Coach Johnson my senior year, 
I forget who we were playing. I honestly, it could have been like we were playing Cleveland State or something. And I was like, Coach T, like, and like this is in the, this is in the first half. I'm just like Coach T, like, you know, I got my fouls. I can't take them home, right? And he just looked at me like, get get out of here. get out of my face. Well, well, the other thing too, right? When you're on the end of the bench, and you know, the starters or whatever have like a 23 point lead. You're, you're like, here we go. And then they blow the lead, right? The coach gets pissed. Oh, yeah. in. It's like, come on, man. Like, that just cost me like three shots right there. Yeah. We, we called it the smoke zone. My family, we called it the smoke zone. Up by 22 minutes left. That's the smoke zone. Smoke zone, love it. <laughs> Did you have, like, the smoke machines? The fog machines? Yeah, that's, that's like a WWE <laughs> Oh man, no! I the the my funniest like get ready moments are number one when we played Akron in the NIT, uh, my freshman year. I forget who it was. I think it was GP Greg Paulus. He was like Joey, like someone was hurt. He was like Joey, like you're going oh, to like, play tonight. Like, and had like mono or something. Like we had like a bunch of guys out. Yeah, there was literally like I was sitting so far up the bench, I didn't know what to do, and. And and, then, and GP was like, "You're gonna play tonight. Like, be ready." And, and I didn't play a second, and we and we almost lost that game. But then fast forward to my junior year, Cam Williams gets suspended for three games. We already have a thin team as it is. Like when Holman came in, there was only six guys coming back, and so and so I spent when Cam was was uh, when we knew Cam was suspended. We were playing Illinois, and Illinois plays like, you know, at that point, that phonetic, like, crazy style of defense. Like, it was like my worst nightmare, honestly. But um, I sat in in Coach Peden's office for an hour and 45 minutes after practice going through every set play, watching film with him. Like, I was, like, so locked in. Like, I'm ready. And then I went through warm-ups, like, an hour and a half before, like, sweating my ass off, like, getting a ton of shots up. You know, Coach Draghi's taking me through, like, here's where you're going to get shots against them. Here's where you're gonna... I'm like, holy moly, like, I'm going to play 25 minutes tonight. Didn't play a single second. <laughs> I mean, it's just – it's just it's crazy. It's just, you know, you got to be uh, – got to be prepared. So, it's better to be prepared and have nothing than be thrown out there and me run with my – with my head caught off like a chicken or whatever that saying is. So it's, it's all good. So coach, we know you were excited for this interview. We were excited to have you on, you know, me specifically because we like to end our show with a little fun. Joey, this is your, this is kind of your segment. So I'll let you take the lead on this, but I'm excited for, for what we're going to get out of it. Yeah. Uh, Bulls, what we like to do with our guests and I say this every time, but this time might be the truest time. Is we like to spin the table, t- turn the tables onto you, put you in the interviewer's seat, put us in the interviewee seat, and have you ask any questions that you've been dying to ask us, uh, you know, throughout this this whole interview. What 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 questions do you have for me and Andrew? So I think I think you might have been asked this already, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So give me. Two people that are probably realistic, right? And I guess maybe you, you didn't think Urban Meyer was going to come on, but two people that you would love to interview on your podcast and why. Andrew, you can go first if you want. All right. Well, 
this is going to sound so crazy and unrealistic, but it's not as crazy as you think. So I always say LeBron, which is obviously as big as it gets. doesn't get bigger than that. But we have – we also do the TBT show, and we've talked with Romeo Travis, who's one of LeBron's best friends, if not – I coach Rome at Akron. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. And now you're really close with Rome, so we, we can – Butter him up even more with you. So I, I legitimately think we can go through him and, and get him. No, <laughs> because we've been close, not like close, but like we've joked with him a little bit and I've talked to him behind the scenes about it. I don't think it's as unrealistic as just like two goofy guys, one played at Ohio State. Like we have an actual like pinky nail in the door. So what, what would you ask him? First question. What would we ask LeBron or what would I ask Romeo to get LeBron? What would you ask LeBron? First question. <laughs> Who's um, the best player of all time? Well, I would I, – I mean, I run through this all the time before I fall asleep at night. But I have <laughs> that in my mind that the first thing I'm going to ask him is – Romeo always says he's the best player from that St. V's team. Is it true? You know, a little softball to, you know, get him laughing, get him in the This mood. is a great story about LeBron. So, when I was at Akron, Coach Danbrock, you know, was the head coach and coached him in high school. So, he would stop by the office in the summer times. And there were, there were two things that were memorable. One, that he was playing pickup. And – I was a fan like everybody else, so I'm looking through the window outside. Probably shouldn't have been. But somebody threw him an outlet pass up the right sideline, and he's running like 100 miles an hour. And he reaches out to grab it, and he's like off balance. And he takes the ball, wraps it behind his back, and dribbles like one time behind his back to get momentum going. And he ends up grabbing it, still momentum going hard towards the baseline. You know, turns in midair right in the corner, shoots it, lands about seven feet out of bounds and swishes it. I'm sitting there like, how did that just happen? And, and the other one was, you guys might be a little too young, but he, he played uh, the Pistons in a, in a playoff game and he had like 26 straight points. And he was in the office watching it on like YouTube and, and listening to his commentary. Like, oh, watch this one right here. Watch this one. Oh, got him. You know, like just watching him watch himself, you know, score that many points in a row was like, it was, it was phenomenal. But, uh, you know, I was fortunate to be around him, you know, because of Keith and, you know, just great guy, humble, hard worker. And, um, you know, I've ran into him a few times, you know, since then. And, you know, he remember, he acts like he remembers me. But, uh, you know, it was funny. I went to see D'Angelo Russell play in Brooklyn and uh, they were playing – um, the heat and I think that's where he was the heat and LeBron always looks around like during the game and it's like we like like made eye contact and he was like kind of like Man, I know that dude so, from somewhere but uh, yeah I'm, I'm you know he's, he's my favorite player and but that, that'd be a great question to ask look at this right here not a lot of people have that LeBron D Rose <laughs> I might need to grow up and get rid of some of this stuff, but oh, I'll <laughs> fanboy for life. Yeah. I I would show him that too if we had him on. We also no, I would also like to interview Coach Danbrot. That would be fun. Yeah, he'd be a good interview. He he'd come on with you guys. He'd he'd tell you a lot of stories. The story about LeBron they met and how he got there and went to St. B is a really cool story too. 
So, Joe, who, who yeah, would you want to interview? I think two guys come to mind. The the reach, the absolute reach, like because we are Chicago guys, because uh, we love basketball, obviously. Like Obama would be the coolest. That would be so awesome for. Our, uh, that's a reach. That obviously that's not realistic. Yeah, go through Sam but, Thompson, man. You know, I, it's not impossible. It's just not super realistic. So, you know, we could we you know we there's some strings to pull. It's not impossible, but. I mean, that would be the – that's my number one of all time if I could have anyone. But realistically, the two guys that I always think about. What would you ask Obama? I would ask him where his favorite place to eat in Chicago is first. Because I'd hope he'd say – I'd hope – I mean, not maybe not literally first. Andrew usually starts it off with a softball, and that's when I come in and say, yeah, how, how good is Manny's Deli? You know? He'd be like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'd say, yeah. are you the president goat? That's what I would ask him. <laughs> Love it. Who, so who's your second one, Joey? Yeah, the, the, the two guys that immediately come to mind are C.J. McCollum and J.J. Redick. Because J.J. Redick is one of my all-time favorite basketball players. He has his own podcast. He's a very charismatic, personable guy. And I'm sure he has some unbelievable – NBA stories, of course, but also the Duke stories because we're college basketball first over here. So that would be awesome. And then CJ McCollum, Ohio guy, stud, hilarious. We've asked ET a hundred times to help us get him on. No progress. But that's that's I put CJ over JJ probably. But now we have direct connections with both of them. Now that JJ's on the Mavs, um, and we know and we know a guy over there. Yep, and then. Yeah. Et and CJ are supposedly buddies, but Et, you know, hey, we just got just closed mouths don't get fed, so we'll just ask him again. So when I was Those at Athens, man, you know, CJ, CJ went to Glen Oak High School, and CJ uh-huh. was five foot whatever in high school, and we had him in our office um, recruiting him with Coach Danbrot because we had little Drew Joyce and, and little Drew like Drew was short, you know as well and not physically mature yet so we we offered uh cj a walk-on spot for a year and then we're going to scholarship him for four but you know his mom was like you know we can't afford it and you know end up going to lehigh and boy that was a mistake (laughs) yeah no he's just one of many that got away did you guys think did you guys and my dad went to Glen Oaks. That's why I kind of smiled when you mentioned Glen Oak. But did you guys think that if you could get Rome and Drew to go to Akron, that there was a chance LeBron would come and play there for a year? No. LeBron Le, – like, Ro, Rome and Drew, like you – know, both their stories are crazy. Like, Rome, Rome ended up transferring to Ak- – or moving back to Akron. And he was kind of like the – I don't want to say the outcast of those guys, but he 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 wasn't one of the originals. And little Drew was the ringleader, like he was the one that kind of ruled the roost and you know got everyone to go to the Jewish Center to do the workouts. And you know he decided to go to St. B. So now LeBron and Sion and and you know all those guys went and they followed Drew, little Drew. And the best, the funniest picture I've ever seen was when Drew was like a freshman. He was like four foot eleven. 80 pounds or 90 pounds, whatever. 
and he hit like eight threes like Booby Gibson did in the playoffs and yeah. as a freshman. And there was a picture in Keith's office where LeBron is like bear hugging him. And like little Drew was like feet was this far off the ground. It was the best picture ever. But, uh, you know, th- those guys are tight, man. I mean, it's, it's like it's, that's what makes it cool, man. They're happy and proud to be from Akron and, and all successful now. Uh, just a great group of guys. I don't even know if Joey knows this. And this is the last thing I'll say about uh, Akron and more than the game and all that stuff. So I, I love that movie. And I, I was watching it one time and I texted Romeo a picture and I said, just feels like one of those nights. And it had like more than a game on the TV. And he was like, always got to go with the classic. So Joey, I don't even know if I told you I did that. No, you guys are best friends. There's a great story about that. Ask Rome if you next time you talk to him about the more than a game when they met with the producers and, and what happened. Like we played like Nevada the next day, and I'm like, damn, something's wrong with these guys. There is, <laughs> but you know, you, you need to ask him about that whole experience with more than a game. It's a good story. We will. My my last question for you, and then we'll let you go because you've been more than generous with your time with us knuckleheads. Um, would LeBron have actually gone to Ohio State if he had to go to college? I would say yes. I think, you know, just from a branding. And why would you say that? Like a branding marketing standpoint, you know, being from Ohio. uh, You know, the one thing about LeBron, man, he's – his mind, like, thinks differently. And if you go back and look at 17-year-old LeBron, right, from the time he was on Sports Illustrated, like, he – business savvy and – What's the worst thing you've ever heard about LeBron? Oh, he made money for kids by announcing on TV where he was going. What a jerk. The decision, right? That's like the worst thing you've ever heard about him. And, and for him to be in the limelight like he was at that young of age with his background and what he, what he went through, like, guy's unbelievable. Sorry, Joe. He's hey, you can't customer. knock him for – can't – I <laughs> – Bulls, obviously, like, you guys are LeBron guys. I get it. I'm I'm a Jordan guy. Like, I get it. There's no – we don't need to do that game. Hold on. Here's what – That's not the worst. Here, here's what I'll say. And it's like apples and oranges, right? But what it LeBron is. has done with longevity, the way he's done it, as long as he's done it, the highest level he's done it, in this era, right, the social media era, right, you, you hear all the stories – of what Mike used to do off the court. <laughs> that would never, like, that would never, ever fly in this era. You know, so it, I know it's, it's symmetrics and semantics and like, it's like, but that, that's why I think just the longevity and the, the level. Forget Chandler. I think I've recently, I've, I've recently turned the corner of, LeBron has had – had it will have and has had probably the better career, but I'll still take MJ over him seven days a week, twice on Sunday. But that's just me. I respect it's your just opinion. me. But then when we have him on the show, you know that I'll be like, oh, LeBron, like I love you. <laughs> You're the man. You don't think I'm going to tell him when he's on the show that you think George is the GOAT? No, Andrew's going to pull this clip up. He's going to pull this clip up. <laughs> no, Andrew's – 
He's not going to pull the clip up. He's going to start the show by going, all right, now we have LeBron James. LeBron, first question. Uh, not even a question. Joey doesn't think you're the best player ever. He thinks Michael Jordan is. But care to respond. <laughs> He's going to just hang up the Zoom. Oh, man. Always, always good banter. Yep, no doubt. Well, Coach Bowles, we appreciate you joining. Uh, you more Again, more than generous with your time. I think this is one of my favorite you know, episodes, interviews that we've ever done. It was great catching up with you. And uh, just know that we will be at – what's it, What's the nickname of the of the stadium? Gosh, I should have had that ready. The Convo. I'll, we will be at the Convo for a game next year, without a I doubt. Love that. Usually, I love it. Usually we say buckle up, drive the lane, and Joey says go Buckeyes. But tonight we're going to say buckle up, drive the lane, OU, oh yeah. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Thanks, Bulls. You're the man. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Appreciate you guys. Tell tell uh, Chase I said hi, please. I will do that. We'll see you. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode and a great interview with Coach Bowles. A little news, nothing too crazy. We're going to be doing bi-weekly episodes. You know, there's no Ohio State football going on. There's no Ohio State basketball, so we're moving to bi-weekly. We're still going to talk about relevant Ohio State things. We've got the NFL draft coming up soon. You know, there's going to be transfer portal, commitment, stuff like that. We'll hit all that stuff. We're going to be talking some NBA. You know, we got some NBA connections, so we're going to get some guys on, which should be pretty cool. We're excited. You should be excited. Make sure you check out our other show, Inside TBT, because that's the next big-time basketball tournament that's coming up is the TBT tournament, and you know we're all about that. Carmen's crew. Some other Buckeyes might be playing. Joey, what else you got before we buckle up, drive the lane, OU, oh, yeah, go Buckeyes? <laughs> yeah, um, like Zoltan said, bi-weekly episodes are going to be, you know, less focused on college basketball. Obviously, we'll be hitting you guys with Ohio State relevant stuff along the way. But, you know, dive deeper into some other stuff, have some guests maybe that um, we wouldn't normally have on during the heat of, of Ohio State football slash basketball seasons get some NBA guys on, um, maybe even expand into some other categories and just have some fun conversations with, with dudes that you wouldn't expect on a sports podcast. Um, so be on the lookout for some fun interviews moving forward. Uh, same old drive the lane, just at a different frequency. Uh, and, yeah, we got to give a shout-out to our March Madness winner, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Will Jones win. And the answer is yes. I, I got something to say about this guy, this guy, Will Jones. All right. So I saw that. Congratulations, Will Jones. He got to pick out a shirt from West Coast Bias, which is pretty cool because I actually think it's pretty cool because he didn't pick Drive the Lane. And you're maybe wondering, why didn't he pick Drive the Lane? Why didn't he pick Towel Gang? And it's because I don't think he is necessarily an Ohio State Drive the Lane fan. And the reason I think that is because I was messaging him because I noticed that he – was retweeting and liking a lot of tweets of accounts tagging him saying congrats on winning. And I said, how many bracket challenges did you win? Will Jones win? And he won 73 bracket challenges. So, (laughs) I mean, it's unbelievable. Congrats to Will Jones win 73. Hopefully he made a lot of money. Hopefully he didn't just do them all for like, 
this type. I saw he won one where someone Venmoed him like a dollar twenty nine. It was like hot dog on them, something like that. So hopefully he won some real money. Yeah, just an absolute legend. I think the funniest thing about it is is that his name is Will Jones. What's his name? Will Will I I, I think his name is Will Jones. Right. But but his bracket name and his Twitter name is Will Jones Will wins. Jones so wins, which is like hilarious. Will a guy named Jones win? And if that's what it is, right. the answer is Will Jones win? Yes, Jones will win. Jones won. Will Jones win? Yes, Jones won. Like that's just so that's just awesome. But yeah, um, hey, everybody, good luck in your master's pools. Uh, we don't have a drive to find master's pool. Um, but good luck in your master's pool. The weather is turning. Everybody go out there and golf like I'm doing. Zolden's getting better. Drive the lane golf outing. Who would join? That would be so fun. Schaffner, actually. Yep, Schaffner, Josh Schaffner, I think you might have committed to Ohio State saw something on Instagram where you said like Ohio state bound or something like that. If that's true, congrats. If it's wishful thinking, we're pulling for you, man, but you're playing in the golf tournament. And with, and with that being said, buckle up, drive the lane. Oh, you, Oh yeah. And, and, and go Buckeyes, but Oh, you, Oh yeah. More for this one. This is an Ohio podcast. Always has been. This is in Ohio. See, this is where you guys got it wrong, okay? This is where you guys got it wrong. You think it's an Ohio State podcast. It's an Ohio State podcast. So that includes Ohio. <laughs> that includes OU. So eventually roll, we'll... bob- roll bobbies. Roll bobbies. Roll bobbies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs>